It's Tuesday, March 8th. Welcome to the News Diet, a healthier alternative for staying informed. I'm your host, Michelle Carroll. Today, I'm going to talk about the $32 billion the White House is asking Congress to pass, the rise in oil prices, the resignation of two top prosecutors in the case against Donald Trump, and also the Midwest tornadoes over the weekend. Let's be informed so we can get on with our day. The Biden administration is asking Congress to add $32 billion to the government funding discussion in which lawmakers must come to an agreement by this Friday, March 11th, to avoid a government shutdown. They're asking for $10 billion for Ukraine aid and $22.5 billion in COVID funding. The Ukraine bill is suspected to receive a more bipartisan response than the extra funding for the pandemic, considering that just last year, Congress passed almost $2 trillion for COVID relief. In fact, 36 Republican senators sent a letter to President Biden on Wednesday asking for details on how that funding has been spent and the outcome from those expenditures. To avoid a shutdown, Congress will have to come to a consensus within the next few days. Just in the last few days, we've seen the prices of gas increase to levels not seen since 2008 due to concerns about oil supply from the Russia-Ukraine conflict fallout. Sanctions imposed on Russia from Western countries have yet to officially target the energy sector, but many private companies are distancing themselves from the country, which many suspect will further exacerbate already existing supply chain issues. For example, some companies are refusing to pick up the oil or have it dropped off at their ports. Even though most disruptions are due to private companies, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken did reveal that the U.S. is in talks with European counterparts to potentially move forward with a coordinated ban on Russian oil imports. Also, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi announced the possibility of a bill that would severely restrict trade relations with Russia and Belarus, including oil. These bans would be a big deal, as oil and gas account for around 60% of Russian exports and about 7% of global supply. Analysts have said that Russia is currently struggling to sell 66% of its supply. It is easier for the U.S. to enforce a ban, as we don't rely as much on Russia for our energy resources as European countries do. For example, Germany is the biggest buyer of Russian crude oil and has already ruled out banning exports. Another factor in the rise of prices is actually the ongoing nuclear talks with Iran. The U.S. and Iran have been wrapping up negotiations in hopes of rekindling the 2015 agreement that would see restrictions on Iran's nuclear production and, in return, a loosening of sanctions. If this deal were to happen, then Iran would be able to start releasing more oil back into the global market, which would be very helpful while Russian oil is being removed from the global market. But until then, the world will see a big lack of supply with both major suppliers out. Iran and Russia tend to be friendly, so it's still to be seen if the ongoing conflict will curtail the talks that were expected to wrap up soon. On Sunday, the average cost of a gallon of gas in the U.S. was a little over $4. This was 40 cents more than the week earlier and 57 cents more than a month ago. The two prosecutors leading the charge against former President Trump have resigned. 
After over two years of working to charge Trump with fraudulent practices, the new Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg recently decided that he wasn't ready to move forward with the charges. After this decision, the prosecutors left the case. The DA has been in office for only a few months, and it was his predecessor that felt strongly about the case against Trump, leading the charge for years. It's reported that at times, even other members of the team felt that the investigations were moving too fast, suspecting that the DA was shooting for an indictment before his term ended. Well, now, Mr. Bragg seems to feel that there isn't enough to charge Trump. Apparently, not only would they need to prove that Trump and his businesses did commit fraudulent actions— like over-exaggerating the value of his assets to gain more favorable loan terms, but they would also need to prove the intent to do so. And apparently there wasn't any documentation or solid witnesses to establish this. They had one witness, former Trump ally Michael Cohen, but Bragg didn't seem to think that that was enough. He did tell aides that the investigation could move forward if more evidence was uncovered or if they were able to secure more witnesses. Even though the top prosecutors have resigned, the inquiry isn't completely dead. Another attorney has taken up the case. Trump is also still facing civil charges led by New York Attorney General Letitia James. Several Midwest states saw intense weather over the weekend that included around two dozen tornadoes. Iowa was hit the hardest, with seven reported deaths. One of the tornadoes was categorized as EF3, which means winds reached the 136 to 165 miles per hour range. It's estimated that 25 to 35 houses were destroyed in the same county where most of the fatalities occurred. After the tornadoes, the area then saw winter snowfall going into Monday. It's Tuesday, March 8th, and you've just been informed. Now it's time to get on with your day. I'm Michelle Carroll. Thanks so much for listening. If you like the news diet, be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast so you can always get the latest episode and leave a review as we all know how that helps boost a show's visibility. If you have any suggestions on how I can improve the show, I definitely want to hear from you. I want the news diet to be as valuable as possible for you. So if you feel compelled, feel free to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram at the news diet or directly to my email feedback at the news diet dot com.